Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to Voices from the Bench. We are at episode number 47. My name is Elvis Stahl from Summer Dental Laboratories. Sorry, my name is Barbara Wojan and I was off in Never Never Land preparing myself for Chicago this week. So how's everybody doing? So this episode is the episode coming out the same week we get started with LMT Lab Day. Yay! So, uh, Barb, when are you getting into Chicago? Do you get in Wednesday? <sighs> I've gone back and forth. I was originally going in yeah. Wednesday. Then I realized I had a board meeting Wednesday morning, which I thought was Wednesday afternoon. So then I changed my flight to come in on Tuesday night. And then I realized the meeting wasn't until 930. So my flight gets in at 8. So I changed it back. So I will be in on Wednesday 8 a.m. and I'm going to hit the ground running. Wow, that is early on Wednesday. That's when we leave, but we're driving up. So it's about a three-hour drive for us. So we get in pretty late morning on Wednesday, and we have the CNC meeting on Wednesday, and then we go right into Cal Lab Mm -hmm. and Lab Day and all the craziness that comes along with it. I gotcha. Who are you driving up with? Who's the we? The owner of Summer Dental, Larry Sawinski. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, forward. he's going to help me carry all of the uh, booth gear that I have to bring, so. Well, you call me. I'll help you, too. Well, let me tell you, but when we ordered those 3,000 buttons, I had no idea how big and heavy 3,000 buttons were. <laughs> <laughs> You're the strong one. So this is when Barb and I, we're going to be down in the exhibit hall. So as soon as you come down those escalators, boom, we are going to be right there. We're going to be there most of Friday afternoon and most of all day Saturday. So make sure that you stop by, you say hi. We got some cool swag to give out. And if you want, sit down and record with us. We have already gotten a few emails of people interested, and we've set up a few times. But if you're just walking around and you see us sitting there with nobody else sitting with us, have a seat and let's record why you love our industry so much. Yeah, and we did it at um, Visions meeting in um, January, and it was really fun. Just kind of throw on the headphones and start chit-chatting and just talk about how your uh, meeting's going, how you love Chicago, what you find exciting, new events, new technologies. It'll be fun. Stop by. I'll have a fireball. And if you come by later in the evening... Barb will be recording from the floor. (laughs) No, I will not. I'm going to be giving it away, not drinking it. This is professional. Come on. So, if you do know you want to be on the podcast and are in Chicago, feel free to drop us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com and we'll do our best to schedule you some time so we can do an interview. But really, we just want to record as many great people as possible at this awesome event. Right on. So this week, we are happy to get back to something we try to do more of, but it's always kind of hard to do, and that's the roundtable episodes. Barb, unfortunately, you were busy when we recorded this. I think you were doing the the, the executive meeting uh, with the NADL. So it must have been in no uh, December. So yeah, no bleeps for this episode, <laughs> folks. I'm sorry. Even though I had to do it solo, luckily I had some fantastic technicians on this roundtable. And we all had one thing in common. These four individuals are all doing 3D printing in their labs. Awesome. And they all have different 3D printers. Even better. 
we could easily have had a vendor on from one of these companies mm -hmm. to talk about what their 3D printer does and what they promise and how much it costs you and how many hours and all that. But we wanted to get real technicians together that use these printers every day. And you know why? Because that's how we roll from voices from the bench. <laughs> technicians and we're real so just so y'all know in case you didn't know which i know you know this is real it would have been nice if you were there barb because you run the carbons yeah i do let me introduce them real quick because of course during the round table i butcher their names and their locations no. and their, i'm so surprised and their lab names so i'm gonna see if i can do it justice i'll probably still get it wrong but luckily, you can just go to the website and read it yourself. So <laughs> so the four individuals joining us today were Tony Prestopino from Artifacts Dental Laboratories in Washington, D.C., Michael Tanaka from Tanaka Dental Lab in California, Ken Kincaid from Bismarck Mandane Dental Lab in North Dakota, and Laura Sanders, Master Dental Technician, Studio 32 Dental Arts in Texas. Nice. Of course, during this roundtable, I also butcher the names of the printers. I do a terrible job. I don't know what's wrong with me. I will never say that I'm perfect, but you know what? Some of these printers have some pretty weird names, so it's not all my fault. Of course, it's not your fault. Never be your fault. So please know that on this episode's webpage, you can find a link to all of the printers that each of these individuals have so you can look up more about them if you're interested. So if you're looking into getting into 3D printing, if you're already 3D printing, or you're having trouble 3D printing, join us for this roundtable and find out how four labs are doing it every day. We're so grateful and thankful to have NOAC Dental Supplies. They are celebrating their 75th year servicing the dental lab industry this year. If you're coming to Chicago, visit NOAC Dental Supplies at both Cal Lab and Lab Day. NOAC Dental Supplies will be in the main ballroom for Cal Lab. I don't know if you've ever been to Cal Lab, but they have a really large ballroom at the very end of the hallway. Visit them there. Then catch NOAC Dental Supplies again at Lab Day in the Armand Gerbach Ballroom, which Armand Gerbach, I should even say that a couple times. And visit their booth at B47 in the main exhibit hall. They will have new product offerings and tons of specials to take advantage of. Stop by and get a special birthday present. As you know, it's their 75th birthday year. Stop by NOAC Dental Booth for your fantastic 3D printer options, including the ones from Form Labs, Colzer, Next Dent, and Evo Dent. Then tell them you heard them here on Voices from the Bench or visit them at NOACDental.com. King Arthur had his knights, Captain America has his Avengers, and dentists have their laboratories. These unique individuals have gathered together to entertain and enlighten all who dare to sit down at the round table and listen to the voices from the bench. I'd like to thank everybody for joining me today. This is going to be a fantastic round table talking about 3D printing. Now, 3D printing, we know, is the hot thing in our industry, and I can easily have vendors of these 3D printers on here, but that's not 
the view that I'd like to put out. What I want is real technicians, real lab owners that actually use these sprinters and can talk about the pros and cons, you know, how it has affected their lab, how the workflow has worked out. So joining us are four people from all over the country. And we're just going to go through the list. I'm going to introduce everybody. And then we're going to give a little background story of your lab, what printers you have, how long you've had them. Then we'll just kind of start the discussion. So let's start off with Tony Prestapino. Am I saying that right? You are. Very good. Tony Prestapino from Artifacts Dental Laboratories in Washington, D.C. Thank you, sir, for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I think everybody on this podcast is honored. You're doing a wonderful thing with Voices from the Bench. We've been watching it grow every month since you started, and it's, and it's great. And Barb is character. She's got a great personality. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. So from what I understand, you just recently got the carbon printer, correct? Yeah. Um, we started the process actually last December, so 12 months ago. And I met with carbon representatives and everything, and we decided to go ahead and bite the bullet on it because it's a large transaction. But I did some research, and I've been testing printers for a couple years, and I realized that this served all my needs, and it met all of my demands. So the money was secondary, although it's expensive. I found a way to justify it in my business and in my mind. But we started last December, and then we had the opportunity to expand. So I put the machine on hold with my representative, and we started building the new laboratory in February. We just added on to it, but we had to renovate the whole thing. The laboratory didn't get finished until uh, Labor Day. And then, of course, I wanted a month to uh, tweak everything in my laboratory, and they delivered my new machine in October. Nice. So I've had my machine since October. And what did you have before that? Anything? I had no printer. I was outsourcing all of my models. So you jumped right into the big one, huh? Well, the reason for that is because it's, I wanted to buy a printer earlier. And back when 3D printers came out and milling machines came out, I was really on the fence, which was going to be a bigger player in the industry. Were we going to be printing more things or milling more things? Well, milling ended up taking over. We were able to mill Zirconia and PMMA and things like that. So I went ahead and I got a few mills, and uh, each one is different for mm-hmm. because every time you buy a machine, every machine has something different to offer. So over time, we bought a mill and then another mill and another mill. They're all three different, and that serves my purpose. But now, so I have the capability of milling things in, in my lab, but now with uh, doctors that have Trios and CareStream and things like that, they scan in the mouth, and I get an STL file. That STL file, I go ahead and build my implant abutment and crown, say, and then I outsource the model. So I started outsourcing models to a company called um, BioDenta, and I would get the models back, and they had you know horizontal lines all over them, and they weren't the best. Now, this was a few years ago. Uh, the industry was there, just needed to improve a bit. So I wasn't sold on buying a machine yet because I wasn't happy with the prints yet. And then I would get phone calls saying my printer broke down. And that started to be a concern because we kept getting phone calls every two weeks. My printer broke down. The models were going to take longer to get. So that started, that was my second concern. If I have a printer that prints things that I'm not happy with the surface texture, and then I have a printer that breaks down often, 
then I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to buy something like that and be responsible for the upkeep, the maintenance. And what do I do when it goes down? Do I outsource it? Do, you know, do I tell my doctors they can't have their case till I fix my machine? So I got a little tired of that. So I switched over to a bigger company and I started using Arjun. Who I met at Vision 21. I met Arjun and Whitmix uh, three years ago at, at Vision 21, who gave a little presentation on their, their printers and their, their printing ability within the company. And I quickly moved from Arjun because I got the same thing. I was, I was, and not to disrespect Arjun, Arjun's the best company on the planet. They're, they're fantastic. But in the beginning of 3D printing, you would get a call saying, Hey, my printer's down. It's going to be an extra three or four days for your models. So I had a contact over the years of dentistry for 25 years in, in Whitmix. I developed some friendships and they were really interested in doing the volume of models that I needed. So I, I started using Whitmix, who I used for two years. Whitmix was giving me a great product. They very rarely called me and said their machines were broke. And I can only assume because they had so many. When one broke, another was up and running because they were a bigger company and they could, they could supply me with what I needed. But the problem with the Whitmix was it had a surface texture, a powdery surface texture and the vertical visible lines. And that started to concern me. And, and over the course of this three or four year project, I'd be getting contacts back, things like that, that I didn't normally see with a static impression in a stone model. I started going, well, what do I have to do to improve this? Because this is not where it needs to be. So then Carbon comes out with a printer that prints 10 times faster. So for me as a laboratory, I'm not a huge lab. I'm, you know, 14 people. But I'm doing about 300 models a month, which is 150 cases because you need upper and lower. So I'm outsourcing this stuff to Whitmix at this point. I heard about the, um, the Carbon printer. So I started to outsource models to Carbon. And I was getting models back, and they were beautiful. They were smooth, no vertical lines. And I started to keep track of the contact and occlusion issues I was having. And to this date, I still haven't gotten one back. So I'm pretty confident that it's more accurate. Now I'm going, okay, well, now i got a machine I can get. Now let's see if I can control it. Can I control my turnaround times? Can I control my print? Do I have different settings that I can control? And all of those things, after finding out, that yes, I can control the, the design, I can control the accuracy, I can control the, the numbers and the, and the limitations, and I can control the, the rush cases that I, that I need to rush. Because inevitably, especially at Christmas, like now, people want their teeth before Christmas. So I said, okay, well, let me reach out to Carmen. So I did. And uh, Jeff Fountain's my rep, who's awesome, if, ever, if you guys ever want to look him up. And Brian Almeida, those two are great. So they reached out back to me and they told me all the parameters. And, and like anybody else, the first time you hear the number, it's kind of hard. It's very expensive. But I worked the numbers at, at, with my bookkeeper and found out that with what I was paying in outsourcing and what I'm paying for the machine, and I don't have to worry about it ever breaking down or because that's part of the monthly payment is you get the training, you get the uh, fixes anytime it needs to be fixed, the upgrades every time it needs to be upgraded, and they monitor it. So that's why I went in. Now, I know that was a long answer, and this shows only 60 minutes, and I'm monopolizing, but that's the the journey of carbon in my life. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. Thank you. That's awesome. Let's move on to the next gentleman, Michael 
I'm already going to mess this up. Ta- Tanaka. Tanaka. Michael Tanaka <laughs> from Tanaka. Tanaka Dental Lab in Gardena. Uh, actually, we're in Torrance, California now. Well, welcome to the program, sir. Appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, Thank you for having me. But you too have a carbon, and it looks like you have the Colzar Kara in the, what is this, the Stratus A? The Stratus Object 30. Excellent. So how did you get into the 3D printing? Did you start with Form Labs, or did you jump right into one of these? Um, we started with a Stratus in a partnership with one of our other dental labs, mostly because we were on the venture of the Encode Empowered system with uh, Biomet 3i at the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. That entire digital workflow encompasses printing models and because they were right down the street from us that's kind of how we started with the object 30 for both of us and then onto the Kara, and then onto the big boy of the carbon so which one do you use for what now so for now uh, all of our model printing is shifted to the carbon uh, we had that installed in march 2018 mm-hmm. uh, the object 30 now we use to print uh, rpd frameworks um, to be casted and then on the uh the Horaeus Cults are Kara. We use that for digital night guards. And then now I believe we're venturing to use that for the uh, denture teeth for printed dentures. Oh, there you go. And then we'll print the uh, denture bases on the carbon. Interesting. So you can print the teeth on one and then the base on another and they'll integrate? Uh, yes, they will, actually. Um, the only tricky and kind of fun, fun part is to get the teeth to allude to the bases because the uh, materials are slightly different. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it works very well, actually. We've had very good luck and very good success with that. Interesting. Well, that's good. Ken Kincaid from Bismarck Mandan Dental Lab in Bismarck, North Dakota. Did I say that right? Yeah, that'll work just fine. Thanks, Elvis. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Appreciate oh, you uh, taking the time. Now, you got a bunch of printers I've never heard of. We were talking before we started here. How did you decide to get these lesser known printers i guess to start back off we got into printing about five years ago looking to the uh the retirement of the father been in the business a while uh, it's time for him to get out and we needed to find a, a way to replace something that he does that's almost irreplaceable so we started getting into 3d printing at that time started with the bagel varseo printer which is pretty well known mm-hmm. and it cost a lot less at the time but after doing research and trying to find other companies and other alternatives uh we found a company called Acaretta that has the Diplo and a free shape and uh, also a company called Intoware with the MeCraft. And each one has its own special properties that help us work through our daily needs. Are these printers special to the dental lab industry or are they kind of universal? I would have to say they're universal since I print a lot of toys for my kids. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they do wonderfully for uh, for the dental purposes. Found out they're quite accurate, which is a, a beautiful thing to have. Yeah. Christmas will cost you 35 cents this year. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what sort of things are you printing? Are you doing mostly models or are you getting into the digital dentures also? We are printing anything and everything that we can right now. Uh, typically with the uh, Diplo is used for our models. The Bago Varseo is used for printing partials at this time. Anything that deals with uh, removable dentures or temporaries are printed in the Diplo. Um, and anything that needs to be done quickly is printed in the Diplo. So we're still utilizing all of our printers, uh, but mainly the Diplo is the one that we're using for our, our uh, most of our production. Nice. Last but not least, Laura Sanders, Master Dental Technician from Studio 32 Dental Arts in Armadillo, Texas. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. So you have also the Big O Varseo. Yeah. And the uh, one from Wintmix. Yes, the Asiga Mac. 
the Sega Max. So how did you get into 3D printing, and what are you doing with them? Um, I don't really know how we got into it. I think <laughs> when, <laughs> I guess when I made the leap from in-house lab to commercial lab, and I decided I wanted to be as technologically advanced as I could afford, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we just decided from the start that we were going to be digital and we were going to start utilizing printers. They had, I, if I remember correctly, they had just kind of started making it onto the market when we were talking about building the lab. And so we just like, yeah, let's get printers. That'll be fun. <laughs> so on the Varseo, we do all of our framework printing. Mm-hmm. And then... On the Asiga Max, we do models, and occasionally we'll do some frameworks on it as well. And why do you do the frameworks on the Bago? Is that just a, a better printer for that? Um, No, as far as those two compared to, they're pretty identical as far as accuracy. I just like their material better, the Varseo CADCAST material. Mm-hmm. I really like that material, and I know that the Asiga machine is open, and I could use that material in that Asiga. I just haven't done that yet. Thank you. And with all of you guys having so many different printers, do you find the printers being the difference or do you find the resin being the difference? I say a little bit of both. The resin is important, but you know, you also have the time the machine takes and mm-hmm. the build surface and all of that. And I would agree with Laura. I think both is the best answer to this, depending on what you're doing. Some of the machines can print at 200 micron layers, which is going to take a lot less time, but it won't print every material at that. So it's nice to have the different material options um, for your availability for an ortho model, for instance, or if you want something that prints at 100 microns, you can use your model material or, um, again, 60 to 75 microns for your printable CAD-CAST materials. Mm-hmm. So the lower the number, the less density, the less accuracy it is? Yes. Okay. I, I would tend to disagree a little bit with that. The machine still has an automated built-in accuracy level. And it doesn't matter if you're doing it at 50 microns or if you're doing it at 100 microns, your accuracy level is still going to be the same. It just depends on how, how thick each print layer is. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I've right. found to be um, a more accurate statement with, uh, with how they say that. I believe, too, accuracy isn't that much of a difference. It's more so, like, the, like you said, the thickness of the layers and, uh, or slice, I guess, is the correct term. And mm-hmm. so you'll see more uh, lines through whatever it is that you're printing because of that. But also, too, the lower the number, the faster it will print as well, because there's less cuts and less slices, that, and it can print in thicker layers. Absolutely. So where you don't need the accuracy, again, such as an ortho model or something for a suck-down retainer, I print mine at 200 microns. For the models? Yeah, for like an ortho model or something like that. Um, I will not do that for removable dies or implant models because you need the accuracy to be a little bit better, and you don't want to see the lines in there. So that's interesting. Do you do the models at one density and then the dies at another? Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Interesting. Do you guys do that also? Yes. Um, I do not. All of mine are the same. Oh. I bet you probably don't have any problems doing it that way. (laughs) well thankfully no (laughs) because most of the machines are very good these days yes so when you guys started implementing all of these 3d printers how did you find people to run the 3d printers were they technicians that were already hand waxers were they just rolled into your cad department did you have to bring in new technicians to run them how did that workflow come about that was a big concern of mine is do i need to hire a new employee to get a new piece of machinery and 
I contacted a friend of mine who had a carbon a few months before I did. His name is Alex Wenchie down in uh, Florida. Oh, yeah. Technique. And he said, you know, you don't need another employee. It doesn't take long. To do. So I kind of trusted that. And once I got the printer in, and the training uh-huh. that Carbon gave me on the printer was great. We got trained on a Wednesday morning, and by Wednesday afternoon, we were printing real cases. And the learning curve was super easy because we already knew the CAD technology. All we had to do was nest it. Sure. And with Carbon software, it nests it for you. Now, I print about eight models of print, and what we're doing is we're having our, I have two secretaries. So we do a process in the morning, and the, one of the secretaries clean the model, and cure them, huh. put the pans where they go. It takes about 15 minutes. We don't need a lot of dental background for that. Interesting. What about some of you other guys? Find that same? At my lab, uh, it's all run by CAD department. I have uh, one person in CAD who runs the Kara as well as the Stratus, and then everything on the carbon runs through me. So I didn't have to hire any additional staff, thankfully, but... Then again, too, my CAD department, we're all more computer nerds than we are lab techs. Yeah. I'm one of the few that have actually done everything in the lab. Most everybody else is pretty much just specialized. Mm-hmm. We found that it worked in our workflow and it just made everything easier so we didn't have to pull someone from another department or, and or hire anybody else, any additional staff, which worked out well. And did you find the learning curve with all three of those just as easy as the carbon? Um, no, the Kara is a little tricky. Uh, the Stratus is equally as easy as the Carbon. Uh-huh. Um, but then again, because Carbon is a technology-based company, they made, I think they did a little bit more homework and made it easier to learn. Uh-huh. Um, because uh, like Tony said, a lot of their software will nest everything for you or actually tell you what it thinks. And then you can move stuff around as you feel, think that you know better. Yeah. Stratus is very similar in the same way, but the Kara is pretty much, you have to really know what it's going to do and nest everything and put the supports in the correct places. So you really have to pay attention to the care. It's a little bit more difficult, but it's still a very, very good burner. Yeah. It gives you no suggestion on how to support it. It's all learn it the hard way. <laughs> um, it gives you suggestions. Like it will actually do the automatic supports. Okay. But unfortunately we found that their automatic supports don't work and we had prints fail because of it. So oh. we had to go back and kind of adjust what we felt was better to make it work a little bit better. Interesting. Well, how about you, Laura? Who runs it in your place? I do. We we are a small lab. It's just myself and my husband. So. Oh, okay. I do all of the, um, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> my my husband, he, he does all of our processing and our finishing and repairs and such like that. But when it comes to designing and nesting and everything else it, it's on me and what are you mostly using your printers for are you mostly doing dentures no just frames and oh yeah that's right uh, sorry models. um i'm watching the denture trends right now i i'm not quite convinced yet <laughs> can you do them on one of the printers you have or do would you need to invest into a new printer no, I think I can do those on the Asiga Max. Yeah? Yeah. You haven't given it a shot yet? No, I, I haven't. I'm not. I I don't know. I'm just not there yet. I, I don't like the way the printed dentures look just yet. I agree. I've seen a lot that aren't great, but I've seen some that are fantastic, but they seem to have taken a lot of work after the printing. Exactly, exactly. Michael, you mentioned you're doing dentures. Who else is printing dentures? 
Uh, we are here in Bismarck. And how's that going? It's going quite well. Uh, I will agree that the materials are not there yet. It would be great mm-hmm. to see something that's a little bit more lifelike. But again, you can characterize it afterwards, and it does take a little bit of work, like you mentioned. But I think you can still make a really nice product for it. Immediates, it's great for something like that. Temporaries, economy dentures. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's just fine for those. However, if you want your high-end client, you're going to have to put a lot of work into these printed dentures. Yeah. I agree. I fully agree with what Ken said as well. Do you find that you're actually making these printed dentures for $14, as all the vendors say they are? I Absolutely not. I would have to say for sure it's more than that because you have more than just your printable resin material that goes into this. You have your alcohol. You have your paper towels. You've got your light care. You've got your other resins for bonding the teeth into there. Um yeah, it's not $14, but it may be $14 of actual material. Sure. Uh, again, I don't know if they even if they take into account the supports that are printed or not. That's just my feeling on it. Yeah. Who's designing your dentures? Is it denture technicians or CAD CAM technicians? Uh, for me, in, in our lab, I'm in a very similar situation as Ms. Sanders. We're a family-owned business. I have two brothers and two other people that work here. So I do most of that. One of my brothers has done the uh, partial designs. Um, for us and has done a wonderful job and takes everything start to finish there so I can concentrate on the newer technologies and uh, our crown and bridge work. Interesting. What about you, Michael? Who do you have designing your dentures? Um, CAD CAM department. My One of my techs who actually has a crown and bridge background, um, we chose to go that route over a removable person, mostly just because he was already in CAD and sure. I didn't have to teach him how to use a computer, basically. Um <laughs> And looking at the latest trends, you know, I'm sure all four of us can argue left, right, and center on this about how flat plane lingualized type occlusion versus adjusted centric occlusion. Uh-huh. Um, it seems you can find arguments both directions on which way is best as far as dentures and removals go. It was just easier trying to teach someone to take centralized, adjusted centralized occlusion out and flat plane it than to go the opposite direction. Interesting. So it just, yeah. like I said, I, to, and my personal feelings, it was easier to take a CAD uh, CMB technician and teach them how to make a denture. I would have to agree, Michael. I think you did that the exactly right way that you should have done that. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, removable technicians, and I'm sure this will offend somebody, they're not too uh, good at wanting to jump onto the technology. They really like their analog ways, and they do beautiful work with it. And I think a lot of them kind of have a fear of the digital denture. Um, not only that, but also trying to teach someone the anatomy of a tooth versus one where the anatomy is already in play and already done. I think that's a little bit more difficult than anything. Interesting. I thought when you made a digital denture, it was all based upon a library of tooth. Is that not true? It is, but you can also adjust it. So because of that, you can adjust yourself way out of the ballpark very quickly. Mm-hmm. That's where the reset button comes in handy. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> and frustration as well, too, though, at that point. What about you, Tony? You still there? I'm the same with everybody in this group. I don't know that digital dentures are there yet, but I know they will be because I've been in the digital game for since inception. And I didn't believe in the first milled crown I had. You know what I mean? And now the material's gotten more accurate. Yeah. It's become more mainstream, streamlined, efficient, you know, full broxier. Think about where it was 10 years. So I think that digital dentures will be there. They're a lot further along today than they were two years ago. Absolutely. Unlike Dan and Michael and Laura, I'm going to go at a different approach. I've only had my machine, like I said, since October. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to buy in February. I've already told my vendor. 
in Chicago, I'm going to buy another three shape and I'm going to have my denture techs learn three shape, design dentures, send them to my printer because I can't pay for that printer. It's very expensive just by doing it. I need to be doing dents and dentures yeah. with it. So I want my, and my denture techs are all about it. Yeah, they, they kind of poo-pooed the learning curve a little bit, but then when I told them the value, You'll never have to break out another denture through that flask. They jumping up and down and hopping, you know, yeah. no more, no more breaking out of a flask. It's a big deal for them. <laughs> so yes, we're going to be mm-hmm. doing them in 2019. Yes, my denture techs are going to be designing and sending them to the print. And I'll keep you posted, Elvis. Oh, I will. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to do them. Yeah. That's an interesting take on it. That's what we're trying to do here is get the denture department to be the ones that design just because they have a better understanding of how the denture should work. Yeah, because they got to be finishing it. Ken, Michael, everybody, I want to know if I made a good choice or a bad choice. The carbon printer, so the problem that I'm having in my mind, but it's, it's really, it's not a problem anymore. I, I think that the industry in general will kind of scoff at the uh, $30,000 or $50,000 a year payment Carmen, for a printer. How does the printer make that money back for you? So I've always kind of justified that. Well, what I did was I calculated the amount of outsourcing that I was doing for models. And when I got my bookkeeper to look up you know, the last six months of my outsourcing bill, up to about three thousand dollars a month. And I'm doing three hundred models a month, and that's just for my for my digital scans from the doctors. That's still models we still for today, and that's going to change as the, uh, the materials and the equipment adapt to that. So if I'm outsourcing three thousand dollars to another laboratory or another center, three D printing center, the machine costs me twenty five hundred dollars a month. The materials that I need, I need uh, about 30 liters to make the amount of models, and that runs me about 400 bucks. So I'm probably at about $3,400 a month outsourcing. Now, when I outsource it, I don't have control of the models, and I got to mail stuff, and it takes me to do in the lab. But my, if I calculated my, my, my numbers correctly, if I'm doing 150 cases, 300 models a month, and I calculate the price of the resin, then I'm at thirty six fifty, so I'm I'm a couple hundred dollars more a month with big machine payment in the materials to run it. But I get more accuracy, I get better turnaround time, and I believe in the company. And I haven't done denture one or stent one yet with it. So I imagine when I start doing dentures and stents, I'll be making money on the machine finally. But it concerns me with other technicians out there, and that's what podcast before, and that's what Elvis and NADL and Voices are doing. They want to know how to, because I have no knowledge on what a seagull would cost and what it's generating for, for uh, revenue in my company. I only have what Carbon is doing for my company. So I, I would like to hear other thoughts on that just for the other laboratory technicians that listen to the podcast. Tony, I'm not really familiar A big thanks to Laura, Ken, Michael, and Tony. I really appreciate you guys joining me on the roundtable. Next week, we'll continue the conversation more about 3D printing. 
Make sure you check out this episode's show notes for links to the printers each of the guests have. And if you're looking at 3D printers at LMT Lab Day in Chicago, you should have a plenty of chances to check out every brand possible. But make sure you stop by Noack Dental Supplies booth to see which ones they have. It's always worth it to compare. Noack Dental, voices from the event, appreciate you. All right, everybody, safe travels. We hope to meet as many listeners and get as many as you on the podcast to tell your story. Be careful. We'll see you in Chicago next week. Have a good one. Stay warm. Bye. Bye. Greetings and well... Oh, did I hit record? <laughs>